you are in for a major big treat today. You're going to be building a confident foundation with Sharon Hughes. She is a best-selling author and she came to us through the conference in January. She was one of our incredible workshop presenters. She did such a fantastic job. Uh, all the ladies who attended her session, we had about 30 women in attendance. They raved about her and they really wanted her to teach more about what she knows. And Sharon graciously uh, accepted that invitation and came back into Fempreneurland to teach a three-part series about building a confident foundation. And this is session one. Now we were having some technical technical difficulties at the beginning. So you'll notice right after I stop talking here on the intro, we dive right in. And Sharon starts talking about, you know, her days as a model and how a lot of stuff is airbrushed. And, you know, when it comes to feeling that lack of confidence from the images we see out there, you know, um, that's where she's going to start. So I'm going to stop talking and we're going to dive right in. But also so much of what we see when we go to the newsstand, it's it's airbrushed. I mean, the same way we sit with Canva and make everything that we put out to <laughs> our audience, how we tweak it, we change the color and all that. They do the same thing with photos. In fact, my first job, I was 14. I worked at a photography studio and I matched up like negatives to the proofs back in the old days. That's what it was. Not like everything's digital now. And part, one of the people in the studio sat there and retouched the, the pictures and they were, it was a wedding studio and they did wow. portraiture, but like, you know, somebody's eyes and teeth weren't real white and blah, 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 blah. And then when I had my portfolio, I remember, um, you know, like they scrutinize your pictures, but then some of my pictures were sent out to be retouched. And I was like, this is so weird. So <laughs> it happens. I'm not sure if you can see the comments here, so I'll just read a couple to you. So Selena says that that was me with school. I know mm -hmm. Selena's story, and I, I I think she's talking about I think she's talking about worthiness. But anyway, Selena, maybe you can tell us more about that. And then Noreen said it's so true. I'm totally confident in my skills and abilities, but have this deep seated sense of unworthiness. Oh, yeah, this breaks my heart for you guys. Just oh. I'm it's so just, glad they're both on right now with us because I, I've gotten to know both of them really well lately and, and I'm really happy that they're both here because I know I know um, there's just so much value in everything you're sharing with us tonight. So I'm glad they're here to experience it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, me too, of course. I'm super, <laughs> super excited for this. So Well, yeah. and you know what I want to encourage you also is it's hard work working on ourselves. You know, it takes time. It takes really being aware, self-aware and having reflection. And we can do a lot of this work, but if we don't have somebody that is, um, you know, like a coach or a healthy sounding board that knows their stuff, because mm. you really need that to really get to the other side. Like you can, you can do a lot. You can have tremendous success on your own, but you do need somebody to speak truth into your life you really do you really do because we get we get crazy brain we just get crazy brain okay so now's the good stuff five things behind a lack of confidence you guys are gonna love this so fear of failure oops i guess you can tell i'm in canva <laughs> fear of failure so 
think about, and you guys might want to write notes or go back and listen to the recording because you need to answer the questions I present in here. And you need to do it when you really have time to think about it. Don't rush and do it, okay? So fear of failure is when the idea of failing is so strong that it overpowers the idea of success. We all want success, right? We want to be successful in all these different areas of our life. And we can get really, this is, this is really paralysis of failing, you know, like the fear of failing. So we're, we just get frozen. But what we really need to do is have a conversation of what does it mean to fail? Because it's not, it's not what has been put on you in years past. Like if you didn't do well in school, how you may have been treated by a teacher or a parent or somebody else scolding you because you didn't have straight A's or failure because you competed in something, sports or whatever, and you didn't do well. And you had somebody that was always there like browbeating you. That's, that's not what, that's not healthy and that's not normal, but unfortunately it's become like a norm in the world. So let's really talk about failure. So first, what is your definition of failure? Like you really need to like get in your head and go, well, how do I define failure? So for me, failure is, is when I know that there's something I really want to do and I just don't take action for whatever reason. I'm lazy, I procrastinate, I put it off. Sometimes I can be a little bit moody, like I need to be inspired. So I talk to myself a lot, a lot. I have to talk myself off the edge a lot. And you should too, <laughs> you should talk to yourself. People say like, oh, it's weird to talk to yourself. Well, you talk to yourself anyways, not always, audibly but it's always going on in your head you're always like oh why did you say that that's so dumb right everybody says things like that to themselves okay we need to flip it we need to talk to ourselves and go you know what you're doing the best you can or hey that's not as bad as you're making it up to be like we need to have these healthy conversations so anyways i can i can get sidetracked sorry what's your definition of failure so like I said, for me, it's when I don't even take action. And for me, failure, that is a failure. It's because I'm not even giving myself an opportunity to win. So if you don't take action, you're setting yourself up. You're not having that opportunity to win. So whatever it is for you, write that down. Okay, if you fail at something, what meaning are you attaching it to? Now, if we look at our past, and we'll be a little therapeutic here, ladies, in the past, when you perceived yourself as failing, because I don't want to say that you failed, but you had this perception that you failed, what meaning did you attach to it? Let's be really weird and make up some scenarios. Okay, you were, you were nominated for um, prom queen, and you didn't win. Okay, is that a failure? Like, let's be real. That's a freaking popularity contest. Right. And sometimes prom queens are not really that nice person on campus. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nice to get the roses and the crown and all that kind of thing, but it doesn't always represent maybe what aligns with your core values. Mm -hmm. And I will do a segment with you on um, 
defining your core values and making decisions based on your values. Maybe we'll do that in the third one. I haven't decided. Yes. Quite yes. But that I love is that you're open to teaching about the things that, you know, come up naturally and that the girls ask about. That's awesome. I'm the same way. <laughs> oh, good. Good, good, yeah. good. So what, what meaning are you assigning to like fail? Like we all have failed relationships. Like it could be a girlfriend where you've had a falling out. It could be a romantic relationship. It could be with your parents. But what I see is a lot of women end up in unhealthy relationships. It's part of the pattern. And it's typically because they've had overbearing parents in some manner or emotionally unavailable parents. Something was going on there. They marry the normal, right? Mm -hmm. They go in with the normal. They do that for a while. They leave. And then they think that they're the failure. That's not healthy. You're not a failure because these relationships have not worked. So we need to also do the work on flipping that. The other person is responsible for what they brought to the relationship. And if they're coming in unhealthy, there's really nothing you and I could do to make them healthy. Like that's gotta be, that's like a, like a, Self-contained isn't the right word. It's just that you can't want it for somebody more than they want it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And quite often other people, they don't want it. They're not aware of it. Like they're just not there. They, right. they don't have it in them to see that what they're bringing to the table is wrong. And they need to do the work. They think everybody else is, is wrong. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Maybe we should do happy hour and, and, a, and a talk, a fireside chat. Yeah. Over cocktails. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, how can you reframe your failure? You can look at this as what did I learn from it? So let's talk about the unhealthy relationship. What did I learn from that? If we're going to reframe it, we're going to be like, okay, that's not a failure. I'm not going to own that as I failed anymore in this relationship. What did I learn from it? about the other person, about the dynamics of relationships, and about myself. So there's three questions that you could be like looking at in order to reframe this. Look, I was married more than once. I married the pattern. Now I look back, because I used to always be like, what is wrong with me? Like, why do I have these bad relationships? And then finally, I was like, oh, I keep marrying the pattern. So until I got really you know, like did all that self-work and healed my broken heart and all this stuff, I was going to continue on in that path. So now I would look back and I would reframe it. I'd be like, well, yeah, give yourself some grace. You married the pattern, but you came through it. You learned a lot. You wouldn't be the person that you are today had you not been through all those things. And yeah, you guys, some of this stuff is really crappy that we go through, but those really crappy things make us so much more empathetic, kinder human beings, right? The people that go through life where nothing goes wrong, you know, they're born into money, everything always seemed to go right, they get married, they have their degree, their kids are perfect, all that, I, they're not, it's they're almost like not human. Like they don't understand what it's like to struggle. They just look at people like us and go, what's wrong with you? Like suck yeah. it up and get over it. They don't get it. Mm -hmm. So if somebody doesn't get you, that's not your problem either. 
-hmm. permission there. So uh, last question on here is, are you afraid to succeed? Mm. You know what? Many of us are. And the brutal truth is we have to ask ourselves, if I wasn't in this place that I'm in right now and I started succeeding, I, I had a five figure month or, or maybe right now you're just trying to have like a five figure year in your business because that would be a game changer for you. What would that mean? Like you would not be this person that's struggling anymore. And some people, they're afraid to succeed because they're like, all I've ever done is struggle. I don't know how not to struggle. And I personally have been through that. I was like, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to not look at my bank account all the time and try to figure out, you know, if I've got grocery or gas money, like that's, that's a horrible way to live, but we can get used to it. And we can end up self-sabotaging because we don't know how not to be these things that we are. Right. So what I'm illustrating here for you under this, this guise of fear of failure is a whole lot of patterns you can see. Patterns you might see in yourself, patterns you might see in your, your friends, your family, or even um, people you know in business. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, is you can have a lot of success without doing this work. But at some point, it comes back and bites you in the arse. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it does or it comes out in other ways with unhealthy behaviors and we don't want that because we're all about being strong being confident being healthy being kind and you know liking who we are mm -hmm. that's a that's a battle that's a battle yeah. Okay, so number two is imposter syndrome. So you're going to see, like in this one, you're going to see that, um, oh, I don't deserve this behavior, which is really, it's a self-worth issue. So imposter syndrome is feeling like you're a fraud. It's, it's kind of that if they only knew what I'm like when I go home, they wouldn't like me or they wouldn't hire me to, you know, do their books or to do their hair or whatever. It's this weird idea that if you were discovered that you're just, you're such a fraud and it's a horrible, horrible feeling. So, and some people, they feel like this because you know how everybody says, Oh, fake it till you make it. We've, we've like, brainwashed everybody into thinking that they've got to have this fake persona out there until we make it. And then what does that mean? It's like, okay, once you make it, then you can show all your true colors, I guess. <laughs> Celebrities kind of do that, right? Yeah. Once they make it, you're like, oh, you were addicted that whole time you were on the set. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It is. Not in a funny way. <laughs> okay, so here's the symptoms. Feeling totally unqualified for opportunities you're given. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> ignoring evidence of achievement. Mm. If you're ignoring your successes, that's really, really bad, you guys. So I'm, if you want to throw out a scenario or something like that, we can take it apart or just, you know, examine it a little bit. But ignoring your achievements, like, Maybe you won all kinds of awards when you were in school or 
Maybe you're a part of Toastmasters and you've received an award. Maybe in your business, because a lot of businesses, they have like performer of the month. Um, you know, just things like that. Like if, if somebody's acknowledging your achievements, why shouldn't you? Like, yeah. Why is it not good enough for you? Hey, Noreen, do you have anything coming up that you want to share or ask or on this, this ignoring evidence of achievement thing? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you, you know, you bring this up because for me, my history is, you know, I was spent 30 years in the corporate world and I had a ton of successes. I mean, I did things in in the city that we live in, in Calgary, that um, went across the country with the organization that I was working with and did really impactful things and worked with the city of Calgary and helped them roll out their entire recycling program and all kinds of things. And and I, um, because of different politics and reasons and whatever, I was fired from my job. and. So not only did that feed into that sense of unworthiness, but then I had this terrible sense of like shame around that. And, mm -hmm. and, and when you kind of, you know, wrap these feelings of, you know, not being confident because that happened, even though in the face of everything I did, you know, I, I had a massive successes throughout mm -hmm. my entire career, but there were other reasons why that happened it still has been so hard for me to deal with and get out of get like get that guck out of me mm -hmm. when I look at all the things that I did I mean I won awards I did things that most people you know just didn't do mm -hmm. and still in the face of that I I can look at myself in the mirror and say well you you know you're worthless look what happened to you if you were worth so much, why, why would you get fired? Okay, let me ask you a question. Has anybody else ever been fired wrongly? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> why, would it, why would it be any different for you? I know it's not. And I know quite a few people that that has happened. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, I'm not a feminist, but especially, you know, my situation was, you know, because of being a woman, the only woman in the room and, you know, different issues around, around that. But it still doesn't take away that scar of what that did and how that sort of dug at that, that childhood kind of sense of unworthiness and it takes a lot of forgiveness and a lot of hard work and a lot of, you know, peeling away the, the layers to, to, I know that it is a gift. And if I do the work and I'm honest like this and I talk about it and I, you know, practice forgiving myself and whatever that it, healing comes, wow. but it is hard earned. <laughs> like it's hard to get there. Yes. And no, and oh, yeah. it's worth it <laughs> because, because if you don't, then you'll be, you'll just stay where you are. So in the next year is going to go by whether you do the work or not. So you could go a year from now and you could be like, wow, look what I've overcome. Look how much I've grown. 
or over the next year, you could just stay. Yeah. And, and there's absolutely no reason why you should have shame when somebody has wronged you. So like you said, it sounds like it comes from something from something deeper. Yeah. Well, I didn't have guilt because I didn't do anything wrong, but I, I still had this sense of embarrassment, this mm -hmm. sense of, you know, like here I was in this high position and, and, you know, had all these accolades and how, how could yeah. that happen to me? Yeah. You know, how could I get so kicked in the face, kicked in the gut, thrown in the gutter? Like it just, it, it, it really, like I went into, uh, I'm going to be completely honest. Like I went into depression. I've never been depressed. Like I've always been a very strong, confident woman. And, um, and yet this just stripped me bare and exposed this deep seated sense of unworthiness that I didn't even realize I had. Yeah. Okay. You're, that is a grief situation. So in, I can, I can just speculate and I'm pretty sure I'm right is that you've had things happen that you didn't grieve and you shoved them down. And then the next heartbreak, heartache, deception blew the top off of it. And then everything came up and, and grieved it all wrapped up in that one thing as being the job loss. But that's probably what put you into that place of despair and of, of grief, of, of depression was that everything came up now to deal yeah. with. And that's super, super common. That's super yeah. common. It, so like any, almost anything can happen and it's just the right timing. It's like that, that co perfect collision of events that blows the lid off of everything we've shoved down. Because probably had you lost your job under different circumstances and possibly at a different time in your life, you might not have reacted like you would have still been really upset because you were betrayed, but you probably wouldn't have become depressed. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's a tricky situation. This it is confidence, unworthiness. Mm -hmm. It is. And, and it's just, it's tied to a lot of wounds, um, trauma, you know, people can have trauma from a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. It's not just because somebody maybe abused you. We can have trauma from having parents that just weren't emotionally available. Yeah. They, they fed us, they clothed us. You know, we had Christmas presents, we had vacations, but they weren't there. There, a need that we needed as children weren't being wasn't being met, and that can cause a type of trauma. It's very interesting. So welcome to Friday Night Therapy, ladies. Yeah. You know, people don't feel safe to share things. Not like Lindsay's done a great job of making Vempreneur Land a safe space to share the hard things. A lot of people have never had that. They didn't grow up where you could share how you felt because, you know, maybe if you, if you cried when your dog died or something, you might have been smacked. You might have been told, get over it. So you weren't allowed to grieve and you grew up knowing we don't show emotions. It's a huge issue. Oh, I could do this all night long, you guys. It, get, it makes me crazy, but 
there is help and there is hope. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and we're Amen. starting it right now. So this is awesome. Okay. Let's see. Let's go back to our list of the symptoms. So um, picking it up, the third point is presuming you're going to fail before you've even started. Mm. That's a part of imposter syndrome. We start letting our thoughts go with, well, the last time that you tried to start your an Acme dog walking business, it didn't work. So of course you're going to fail at Acme cake baking, baking company. <laughs> I don't know why I'm using Acme. It's like, that's what they always have in the cartoons. It's always like <laughs> Acme, whatever. Yeah. So that's a super unhealthy behavior also. And you guys, I, I think, you know, cause you kind of know me anyways on social media is that I am faith-based and the word tells us to take every thought captive and this is exactly is one of the reasons why we cannot allow ourselves to have crazy brain and just let it run wild with well what if this and what if that and then this is going to happen and oh my god what if i do with that and blah 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 you would be just frozen in fear all the time so don't presume that you're going to fail before you start why not presume that you're going to succeed. Even if, now listen, even if the business doesn't thrive or even if you don't make a whole lot of money, you could be succeeding by the, by the sheer fact that you did it, that you tried, and that you learned something in it. Mm. Like why does it always has to have to be framed as if we're not a six and seven figure coach or whatever it is that we do, that you haven't succeeded. I've learned so many ways that things don't work. So many ways, but I don't look at myself as a failure. I keep going, okay, any day now, I'm gonna hit the nail on the head and everything is gonna take off like gangbusters. Yeah. I'm just figuring out what's not working. It's like, it's like the whole light bulb story that you know about Edison. Okay. This is a really, really bad one too. I have really bad ones on the list because they are the worst ones and I don't want you to think these things. Believing that people secretly think you're incompetent. Oh, so I have a client and um, we do coaching via Zoom, but we also use Marco Polo. She sent me a Marco Polo last night that, and, and she's in another country and they must be meeting because she said that they were on like a like they were at like a conference so they were like together they weren't everything on zoom and um she presented something and she thinks that everybody thinks that she's incompetent and this is what we've been working on for the last month so it's really cool that she marco polos me because i can marco polo her back and give her things to work on while she's at this event so she doesn't have a meltdown this is so common, especially when you're, you're in these, these events and people are brainstorming and they're sharing ideas. And it's not like a YYC event where everybody is like they're in collaboration and supporting each other and trying to get breakthroughs. It's like the corporate level of events of people that are competitive, people that are afraid and just all this weird stuff. So what I was telling her is, when you share an idea 
so this was her thing. She shared an idea and she was looking, she said the look on some of the other people's faces really bothered her. So basically what she's doing is she's making up a story in her head that she can read their mind and that she knows that they think she's incompetent. I was like, did they say you're incompetent? No, they didn't say anything. Okay, then you can't allow yourself to go there. It's not healthy for one thing, but also you really don't know what they're thinking. They could be deep in thought. They could be like, she's in a highly competitive, like a medical research arena. They could be jealous that you had that idea. Some of these people, she's known a long time. And she said, she doesn't usually speak up. She's a very soft-spoken, she's introverted. So she doesn't really share a whole lot typically in meetings. They said, they could have been just surprised that you actually brought an idea to the table. They could have been thinking about how they can't pay their mortgage or that their partner's cheating on them. It's like, all these things are going through people's minds like all the time. Just because you're sitting in a meeting acting like you're paying attention doesn't mean you are, right? So if somebody looks at you weird when you say something, mm -hmm. don't go down the rabbit hole if they think I'm an idiot. Mm -hmm. We've all done it though. We've all done it. Okay, thinking all of your ideas are inferior to your colleagues or friends, that really goes with the last one. Um, we can get caught in our head. We're afraid that our ideas aren't as good. And you know, some ideas really are better than others. However, <laughs> you need to share your ideas. You need to. The world needs more ideas. Mm -hmm. Don't allow yourself to be silent and be small because of all these things in this imposter syndrome. So Selena's quiet. Selena, is any of this resonating with you? Selena's, um, did, did this, I'm not sure if Selena's story came up in your Instagram live last week or whatever that was, but yes, she's told, I know she, I can feel her energy because she's, <laughs> she had a major school situation. She was, uh, struggling and fighting and achieving and, you know, getting a hundred percent on all her tests and to get valedictorian. It was her goal. And in the end it went to a student vote and because of the student vote, she didn't get it. And it was hugely devastating for her. So, I mean, I would actually, um, I, I don't know if it'll fit in with your session next week, Sharon, but if maybe you and Selena can have a chat offline about that and see if, if part of her story can, can kind of bolster your message because she's got a really, she's really struggled with this. And I know she, and I don't want to talk too much about it. I want to let her do that, but mm -hmm. um, I, I guarantee everything you're saying tonight is really helping her a lot and is really hitting home. Mm. that is really really disappointing that is really disappointing that's a big deal what selena went through that's a big deal. that's a big deal mm. Mm -hmm. okay yeah she's still she's still working through it and yeah so i think it'd be really anyways yeah but like even would even would love to have you two have a conversation on instagram live about her you know having her share her story and having you talk about all the things you talk about i think it'd be really helpful for a lot of women anyways. wow okay this goes with um what i was just sharing up here so like thinking your ideas are inferior to your colleagues and friends and here's one of the reasons why we don't speak up. 
this pink is what we think other people know as comparison to the the small blue of what we know like what i know is this little blue circle and we'll use you lindsay lindsay knows all this in the big pink circle but really the truth is lindsay and i are are both blue circles right <laughs> I mean, this is how it is i mean of course we're not talking about going up against like a law professor or something like that but just in your normal situations we tend to think everybody has it all figured out and they know so much more. I told somebody one time that um, I, we were talking about a certain topic and I said, I'm not versed in this. I'm not very smart in this arena. And it was so funny. They go, no, you're smart in different arenas. And I was like, ooh, that's such a nugget. But the point is, is that we all have our strengths and our experiences to bring to the table. We don't need to be small or shy away because we think that we're less than. We think we're the little blue circle, not the big pink circle. So the third reason that people struggle with like confidence and self-worth type of issues is this fear of criticism. So the cause of fear of criticism is that you are too concerned about others' opinions and so you feel insecure. Like it just it just really warrants asking. Why am I more concerned about what somebody else thinks of me than what I think of me? If I am living in integrity, I am doing my best work, I am showing up, and somebody over there is going to sit in judgment and be like, yeah, but you're really not all that. Like, why would that deflate me? So we want to really look at the reasons why these things bother us so much. Of course, everybody wants to fit in. We're just wired that way. We're wired for community. We, we, want, we want that, what's the word? Com well, community. We just want that. We want, we want to be in those groups of people that are kind of like-minded, maybe a little bit challenging, but calling us to the next level, calling us to our greatness. Nobody wants to be criticized. We don't like it. One of the things that I told my client where she was talking about when she does have some people that really give her a hard time at work, that they, um, <laughs> they did this thing where after everybody was doing presentations, they scored the session. Now, She's in another country, and I think it might be a slight cultural difference. I was kind of like, okay, they're scoring the sessions, but it didn't sound like they're scoring them to say, like, it was valuable, present this again at, the, at our next conference. It was kind of odd because she said somebody wrote on their paper that the person that they worked with was a complete idiot and didn't know what they were doing. And her first reaction was, what if they meant that about her? So there was no names on these papers. And I thought, okay, first of all, I really hate it that that's how she feels, like that, you're, that your mind goes in that place. And I thought, okay, maybe that's a little bit of a human reaction anyways. Maybe when somebody says something harsh, we're a little bit like, ooh, did they mean that about me? And then if we're healthy and we're confident and we have self-worth, we'd go, no, I'm good. I, I know I, I didn't do anything inappropriate and I'm working from integrity. But I said to her, okay, this person that you that you think 
wrote this or some of the people that give you a hard time at work, what is their character like? Well, turns out their character wasn't so good. I was like, would you be friends with them? Is that somebody that you would want to be friends with? No. Okay, so why do you care? And I really, as I said this to her, I, I had to reflect to myself. I thought, this has happened to me. There was a place I used to work at and the people were just flat out not nice. They weren't people I would want to um, have lunch with. I certainly didn't want to make small talk at the water cooler. I didn't want to meet them outside of work for activities. But for some reason, it bothered me that they were so mean to me, even though I knew I wasn't doing anything that should warrant any type of behavior like that. I was like, okay, this is a little bit, a little bit of a human reaction, but we do need to be self-examining and go, why does what that person thinks bother me? We need to deal with it. We need to be like, no, they are, their character is these things. My character is this thing. And I, and I'm sure that I'm not being a jerk about any of this and really like a checks and balance. If you, if you know what I mean of self-examination examining the situation, examining who these people are. So we can dismiss it and go, no, I'm not going to let that person take up any space between my ears thinking about how they treat me when they're not somebody I really value their opinion, value their relationship or their friendship about. And like what you said about, you know, like we need to be, it's hard working on ourselves. It's hard work. And that we need those healthy sounding boards, those people to speak truth into our lives. And I, 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 I feel for people who work in environments where they don't have that. You know, the whole, the whole concept of the Fab Five events is to like replace those people in your life with new people that are going to yeah. do that, right? Because I know for me, it's just, oh man, it was just life changing to start to surround myself with more people like you, Sharon and Noreen and Selena. And just, it's just life changing. So, yeah. Love it. It's good. good Love to be here right now. <laughs> yeah. So basically, it's, you know, it's these three points. It's no one likes to be criticized. Crit Even healthy criticism can be a little tough to take. You know, if it's somebody that we respect, like a mentor that's trying to call us to the next level, it can be a little tough to take. It's not always about us, really. If there's people dealing out criticism, that's really them. When you see how they roll that they do it to everybody you're like yeah no thank you mm -hmm. and then just being self-reflective you've got to do that in a healthy way okay feelings of inferiority i'm gonna speed it up here because i know we're coming up on an hour even though we had a slow start with a little tech difficulty yeah. uh, feelings of inferiority is a really big deal these feelings are are causes of insecurity typically really tied to early experiences like when we're kids such as being ignored ridiculed um behaviors that we experienced where somebody made us feel like we're less than you know like we don't really fit in we're odd man out feelings of inferiority and hopelessness are developed through various negative experiences you know it, it really has so much to do with our our developmental years and it's kind of shocking how we can breeze through it, even though it's painful, because we're told like, oh, that's how kids are. You know, like boys are bullies or, you know, girls can can be 
the drama queens and they can cause all this stuff and really stir up a lot of negativity in us when we're growing up and we don't deal with it. And later <laughs> it comes up again of like, somebody says something in the workplace when we're adults and it just like triggers us right back to how we felt when we were 12 years old and trying to fit in. And people carry this around. They're just, you know, people are wounded. You're not abnormal if all this stuff is going on. Okay, so I would say this is where you wanna do like the really deep hard work on those previous points. So you might wanna screenshot this cause I don't, I don't know when the replay goes up, but um, these are the questions that you really need to get into. So first on the right hand side there, when we take failure very personally, we are always, always associating the failure with a bigger story about ourselves. We're taking the failure to mean I'm not good enough or I won't be successful as a, and it's fill in the blank. I won't be successful as a mother. I won't be successful as, you know, a coach or this, whatever the business is that I'm starting to run. We tie these personal failures into this big story. We make up stories that aren't even true, you guys. And we start to believe them and they usually sneak in. It's usually a story that's kind of been going on for years in our life. It's not like one day you wake up and there's a story. It's a story that's been simmering under the surface and we didn't notice it in the, until it started to boil over. And then there's the issue, kind of like what was mentioned earlier, where there was all this success and then there was a job loss and everything like super, super blowed up. So there was a story that was simmering underneath the surface there before that pot boiled over. And then it was like, oh, heck, where did this come from? That was not just God bless you, like you were betrayed and that's horrible. That it was bigger. It was bigger than that one incident. And I don't mean any disrespect about that at all. No, no, you're you're absolutely right about that. Oh, good, good. So here's the three powerful questions to ask yourself from good or bad situations. What did I learn from the situation? You know what, you guys, really honest with you, and I feel like God is still teaching me this all the time. Nine times out of 10, when there's a situation that goes sideways, I take the blame for it. And when I get in retrospect and I learn more about the other person, their character and what really happened, I wasn't the one that was wrong. And I don't mean that from a place of arrogance. That is a part of my life that I have had to work really hard on to heal because I had toxic, abusive parents. That's the pattern. You're around people that are abusive, narcissistic alcoholic, whatever their gig is, we take it in that we've done something wrong because we learned that as children. So what did I learn from the situation? Typically for me, it's like that I should have trusted my gut. But if you are a child growing up with any type of those behaviors I just described, quite often you had that feeling in your gut. You knew something was wrong, but you were told, stop it, you're wrong, it's not what you think, you're imagining this, and it goes into those adult relationships with people that have that same type of behavior where they're just like, you're crazy, you know? 
you're making this up. This isn't happening. So weird. So, so weird. If you would have told me this 10 years ago, I would have been like, no way. I'd been like, nope, 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 nope. But it's true. So number two is how can I grow as a person from this situation? Well, you might grow as a person because you start learning to trust your gut and listen to that inner voice. I think that inner voice is the Holy Spirit. I think every single one of us, like when we are born, we have that inner voice. Um, and we're just taught through different relationships and through our culture, through society, not always to listen, um, especially women. It's that, oh, come on, little lady, you just sit there and look pretty and keep your mouth shut. Okay. I know you guys are in Canada, but that is like such an American thing. <laughs> just sit there, be pretty and be quiet. It's like, ooh. <laughs> Okay. Oh, it happens here too, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> and then number three, what are three positive things about the situation? I hate this question, especially if we're talking about something that's painful. Absolutely hate it. But I had somebody that was a, a little bit of a mentor ask me the same thing. And we were talking about my past we were talking about a particular thing and I was so mad. I said, her name was Mindy. And I go, Mindy, I can't even answer that question. I, this makes me so angry and so resentful. And she goes, Sharon, you wouldn't have written your book. She's like, that's one positive thing that came out of what you went through is that you were able to write a book that would help other people. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm <laughs> like, literally, pivoted just like that. I went from so mad to, oh, okay, I get it now. And I was like, all right. So those are, that's hard to come up with three positive things, but that work is worth it for whatever the thing is, is that you're trying to analyze in your story. Okay. Five, perfectionism. <sighs> You guys, <laughs> if we could just break up with it once and for all. Oh, man. So perfectionism, it leads to having unrealistic expectations of yours and others' standards and opinions. So how many of you have had a relationship with somebody that's a perfectionist and they're critical? Like, talk about a, a double whammy. It's very, very difficult. And we need to like unlearn hearing that voice in our head when we don't dry the dishes the way that they think that we should or whatever dumb thing it is. It's, it's a painful thing. Okay. Thinking that you can't do something unless it's perfect is unrealistic. It's also a way of avoiding making mistakes, which creates more insecurity. If you are so tied to... I might make a mistake. We really need to talk offline. Mistakes are normal. Mistakes are healthy. And that is what promotes growth. If you do everything right all the time, there's no reason for you to be here. Really? You might as well just cancel your YYC membership and go home. You don't need to be here because you are golden. I know. Yeah. A little bit of sarcasm. 
Love it. That's it. I'm signing up for the next five years. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> so here's the difference. We're in the home stretch here. We're just about done. Here's the difference between like striving, like perfectionistic striving and like this weird perfectionistic concern. I know that language is a little bit like what? It sounds weird. Okay, so perfectionistic striving is like you drive to attain an accomplishment. You know, you're driven, you're, you're goal driven, like you're trying to accomplish something. That's normal. On the other side, if you're driven to avoid these mistakes, that's not okay. Like people just make mistakes. And what's really bad is if you are okay with other people making mistakes because you can be like, yeah, normal. My kids make mistakes. They're human. But you can't allow yourself to be that. We need to talk. Number two, when you are like, oh, I am leaving no stone unturned. I am going to figure this out. I am going to do my best. I'm going to nail it. Okay, that's normal. But the other one the opposite sort of is like this fear of failure. So I know that they seem really weird and you probably need to sit with these principles a little bit to kind of like, you'll get the light bulb moment. You will, I promise. The third one is you're motivated by positive outcomes. You're just like, yeah, you know, this motivates me. Like I have a win and it kind of spurs you on, which is, which is really, really good. Not to say that if something doesn't go right, like you can, you can equally, like when something doesn't go right, you can really hunker down and be like, okay, go back to number two. No stone unturned. Why didn't that work? Be a scientist. This needs to be, life needs to be your science experiment. You're like, I'm going to figure out what works and what doesn't. And not assign meaning to either one. Like, like let the data be the data. Really, that's super, super healthy. So then on the right side of the screen, the fear of being viewed negatively by others. So those three on the right there, those are the like the like the areas of concern. If you're operating from that, that's cause for concern. We need to talk. If you're operating on the, the left side, you're good. You're good. You're just a driven, you know, like goal-oriented person. It's good. Good, good, good. I really, really like this because it's like it, it's reframing it. And like I, I've had a bit of perfectionist um, tendencies, but I've I've shifted to it's my sense of excellence. Like I'm less of a perfectionist and, Ooh, and I'm afraid of that and more of, um, you know, what, what you described on the left hand side. I really liked the way you reframed that, that that's because I think a lot of people when they hear the word perfectionist, there's a, there's a negative connotation to it, but that perfectionist striving. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting way of, of um, describing it, reframing that. Well, I love what you just said, like, like driven by excellence. Like that is so good. That is so much better than like, Oh, I'm driven by perfectionism because there, you know what? There's no grace in perfection. There's no grace in perfection. There's so much grace in mm. striving for excellence. Like, I love that you brought up that word excellence. That's just giving me so many thoughts. Um, when you think about Olympic athletes, they are striving for excellence. Shaving that millisecond off. That is so 
so healthy. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. That is so healthy. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people need to hear that. It's because wow. there is this really negative connotation to that word. Oh, I'm a perfectionist. It's always said in a really negative kind of way, but, yeah. but the, it, there's a there's a light side to it. it there isn't it isn't just a, the dark side. There's a good yeah. side to to that perfectionism or excellence. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> we'll go with excellence. We'll go with excellence. <laughs> so this is it. We're we're landing here. This these are the details. This is this is the work you need to do. Is you need to keep a journal. You need to think about the things on each of these slides, the five things that are behind a lack of confidence slash self-worth. Write them down, review them. I've I've done my my biggest like growth cycles when I'm in my journal, really thinking my thoughts and then re reviewing again. Because I read something I wrote three years ago. I'm like, who is that person? It's crazy what you'll discover about yourself. But listen to how you talk to yourself. Like I was saying at the beginning, you know, we all talk to ourselves because we typically say, why did you wear that dress today? You, because you caught a glimpse of yourself in a window, like when you're, you just walk out of Starbucks, right? You got your coffee and you catch a glimpse of yourself, your reflection in the window and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I wear that dress today? I look ginormous this color makes my skin look <laughs> terrible and then like why do we say these things to us to ourselves it's just it's horrible pay attention to how you talk to yourself and stop <laughs> stop talking like that um question what you what you believe question question why you believe what you do can't get it out question why you believe what you do why do you believe that you have to do something a certain way? Who told you that? Is it okay to break up with that? Why do you think it's not okay to speak up? Whatever your deal is, let's start, be curious. Science experiment, okay? You are the mad scientist. Life is your laboratory. And you're going to go, okay, why do I believe that? Maybe you need to get rid of it. Maybe you don't need to believe it anymore. And then last, message me if you get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Wasn't that a powerful hour, a power hour with Sharon Hughes? You can find her on Instagram at Sharon Hughes Official. Her website is SharonHughes.net. She is a glorious, glorious woman. Uh, so full of knowledge and passion. Just so much heart to help other women get out of their own way, to build their confidence. Um, yeah, we were lucky enough to have her back for two more sessions after this. Um, I'm encouraging Selena and, and Sharon to get together on an Instagram Live to talk about Selena's experience that I mentioned. Um, I'm not sure if that's gonna happen or not yet, but if it does, it will be here on the podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, today's episode and every episode is brought to you by a number of awesome things that we have available for you in Fempreneurland. One is the marketing school. It's a six week live and interactive marketing school. We have weekly sessions on <clears throat> a live video platform. I teach them. So I show up live with you once a week and you also get some one-on-one 
time with me where we can really dive into your business together. I get to know every single woman in this Fempreneur community and I feel so blessed to be able to do that. Another way that I get to do that is through the directory. So at fempreneurland.com slash directory, we have so many female owned businesses featured there. It's completely free, $120 value, completely free to list your business there. So go and uh, get your business in our directory if it's not already. Um, lastly, we have a place called Fempreneurland. It's a membership community. So our members pay a very small fee to be in that community and they get a ton of the kind of stuff that you just experienced here today um, with Sharon Hughes. So if you need not only social media marketing tips and tricks and strategies, but you also need to boost your confidence so that you can show up on social media as a leader, as someone who can confidently take their ideal clients down the path they want to go, then Fempreneurland is where you want to be. So go to Fempreneurland.com to learn more. And thank you so much for subscribing to this podcast, for rating it, whether you're on Apple or Google or Spotify or any of the other ones. That makes a huge difference. It helps this podcast travel through the interwebs to more women like you. We just so appreciate having you here. Uh, my name is Lindsay Berry. You can learn more about me at fempreneurland.com. See you next week.